Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. So great. Thank you, everybody, for coming. The, ro- the, the goal for tonight is to focus us on Christmas and the story of Christmas. I'm going to... Yes, it's all... It's all... <laughs> Just a few more hours, buddy. <laughs> I, was, I was doing a Christmas uh, quiz once, and I was... Uh, just asking people about if they understood the Christmas story, and I asked, what was Mary's last name? And a little fellow in the front row said, Christmas! I'm like, well, close, I guess. <laughs> anyway, we're, it's great to be together. And I imagine there's, um, so like Steve, that reminded me of that one line from that Christmas song, Don We Now Are Gay Apparel. That was a little bit what he was at. <clears throat> um, just wanted to scoot along. How many people are visiting from out of town? Are you home for the holidays? You're here to be with your family? I had a, I had a challenging uh, situation this year where I'd lost a tooth and I needed the dentist to put a, a, a plate in at, that had a tooth in it, right? And uh, middle of the summer, he came and checked the, pl- the plate and he found it had completely eroded. And we couldn't figure out what, what had eaten the, the plate up. And so um, he said, I think the best thing for us to do is we're going to have to put one in that's chrome and it won't erode uh, because whatever you're eating is eroding a plate. And I go, well, what could it be? He said, are you eating anything with lots of lemon juice? I said, well, I love my wife's homemade hollandaise sauce. And um, he said, well, I think what we'll do is we'll, make, we'll put that tooth on a chrome plate and, uh, and I think that's going to be it. And I said, well, like, why does it have to be chrome? And he said, well, really, it's because there's no plate like chrome for the hollandaise. <laughs> You didn't see that coming. You didn't see it coming. Nobody did. None is. You did? Okay. Well, maybe you did. You're a sharp one. <laughs> I want to just um, share a little bit about, and, and then I want to give us a, this is going to be a little different. Um, uh, when I was reading through the Christmas story this year, um, I became aware of the emotions that were attached to Christmas. And last year was a, quite an emotional year for my family. And... Um, I even, even, even when Mary said, after she agreed to be a carrier of the Messiah, she said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Her whole being, her emotional part of her being, um, that, the, that, that was named, that portion, that poetic prophetic part was called the Magnificat because it's after the Latin phrase, Magnificat anima mia dominum. I just like saying dominum. Um, and so, it, so, so she was very touched emotionally. And part of the reason we gather together, and even around Christmas time, um, is just to remind ourselves of things that are important and, uh, you know, stuff from the last year. But oftentimes it can be get, be get, it can get, get quite emotional because Christmas magnifies emotions. And I was looking through, uh, read through most of Brene Brown, her recent book called Atlas of the Heart and a heavy book. But um, in here she identifies 87 human emotions, uh, more of what I thought we even had the capacity for. And, uh, and I was just, this, this 
these last few weeks, I've been asking the Lord, how do I deal with some of these emotional challenges, not just myself, but our, many people in our congregation. And so I'm going to give you a little strategy for dealing with emotions. And let me set it up a little bit by reading John chapter 1 and ver- verses 1 to 4. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. In the beginning, the word already existed. He was with God and he was God. He was in the beginning with God. and He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. Wow. Life itself was in him, and this light gives light to everyone. I've stopped at that passage so many times. Is that, or is that the ESV? And the light itself, what does that say? And this life gave light to everyone. The light shines in the dark. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to talk about. That life itself was in him, and this life gave light to everyone. Every one of you has some of God's light in them. And, and, and my appeal to the ish, this year is to, when you look at other people around the f- table, remember that there's some light in them. Um, this is a beautiful picture for me. Um, that, that phrase, in his name, all oppression shall f- flee. Some of you, if you're able to notice, become aware of the emotion like a significant emotion that perhaps is taking away light from your life, something that's blocking life, blocking hope, blocking peace, blocking joy. Tonight, I'm going to ask Jesus to come to that part of darkness and bring light. And I'm going to believe that in his name, all darkness will flee. Because what happens is I know that we carry, emotions are like an energy in your body, and they carry um, certain um, uh, charge, emo, energy, strength, and, and they can lodge places in our bodies. And I would love you to have a great Christmas, to be, have, have incredible emotional strength. I believe that comes from Jesus. I want to show you a picture of something that happened this year. Um, we had a, um, a little situation happen where we bought a king-size bed. Now, um, I, I, I needed some help like getting it out of the kitchen. Now, my wife, just, just a tribute to her incredible emotional resilience, she allowed that to stay there for a day. <laughs> she said, the clock started. And it was cold. And so, uh, who do I call? Well, my son. In his, in his name, I thought, all, all oppression might flee. So, so what I did, I gave him a call. Well, there's only so many people like that can, my, my neighbor, Don, usually helps me, the firefighter. But he got, got it in the door, and I said, listen, I'm going to be fine from here in. Yeah, I, I wasn't fine. I needed to get it downstairs. I needed to move it. So I called him my son. Now, it's interesting, hey, because the next morning I get up, and in that cabinet right there, that's where my vitamins are. And on the other side of that is the fridge. So you have to move the fridge to go get the juice, and then you pull that back to get the vitamins. And was it ever awkward? And I thought, what would it be like if we like, had that mattress in the kitchen for Christmas? Awkward. That's probably an emotion. So I said, well, like, because, because, but here's what happens is we allow different emotions to end up taking a large space in our life, and we just learn to live with them rather than move them. This, this, this is going to be uh, interesting. Help me, Lord. Um, 
the, the, uh, in here, I was just reading about the professor from uh, Barcelona, Eduardo from the University of Seville. He said, as human beings, we can only experience life emotionally. I put a big star behind that, and I thought, no, 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 we can, we can, we can, have, we can experience life other than emotionally. And then I thought about it, and I go, I'm not sure if we can experience it other than emotionally. You, you know, like, your, your emotions are a gift, right? God gave you your emotions. And they're often pointers, and they give you intelligence and information about what's going on in your body. As human beings, we can only experience life emotionally. I challenged that in my own heart, and then I began to walk through it, and I realized, you know what? I, honestly, my experiences in life, they're very emotional. So, <clears throat> so here's, here's what I've discovered. We live in a story. Every one of us lives in a story because your brain processes life as a story. You all live in a story. One of the most courageous things you can do is accept your story and live in your story. Your brain uh, has to locate you someplace in some story. So you belong. So you exist. So you're known. And, and I'm here to just express today that the greatest story and the only story that really is going on is the God story that began at the beginning of time. If you, you, could, you, could, you could watch all of the Christmas movies you like, including Elf, or Christmas Vacation, for that matter. Y'all got a cousin Eddie. Um, um, but, but, you know, Miracle on 34th Street, it's all sort of the same. There's a redemptive piece that goes through that where emotions... Like tragedy hits, right? Home alone. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Home alone. Aloneness is a powerful emotion. Maybe some of you feel lonely tonight. Christmas magnifies emotions. If you're happy, it'll make you incredibly happy. If you're sad, Christmas can make you incredibly sad. If you feel lonely throughout the year, at Christmas you'll feel incredibly lonely. But I want to invite Jesus into our emotions tonight. Our brains need a story to process our life and orient us. What's the narrative that you live in? It, question is, is it true? Is it accurate? Who's the villain? Who's the hero? Where is hope in your story? Maybe, maybe you're a victim in your story. The story we hold shapes our perceptions and our expectations and regulate our emotions. In just a moment, we're going to sing Silent Night. We're going to light a candle sing Silent Night. And there's a phrase in there that says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Christmas amplifies emotions. Christmas highlights our life. And your greatest act of bravery this year may have been simply showing up here tonight because you're tagging along with the family. I just want to assure you that I don't take that for granted. I promise you I'll not take advantage of you, and I'll respect that decision. And when we pray in a few moments, I'm going to ask something very, very personal to happen to you, that the light of Jesus Christ would come to a dark emotion and move it tonight. We become part of our story. One day you're going to tell your story of what you've came through, and, it, and it'll be somebody else's survival guide.
Christmas story is filled with emotion. Last Christmas, uh, I felt very numb from losing our house in the house fire. I felt numb from the burglary. My, I felt our, my, emotional, my emotions seemed to be off the Richter scale. Both Kelly and I had a cancer diagnosis. It's, uh, it's shocking, the, the passing of my mom in the summer and um, the burglary and the vandalism in our house. You just felt like, I don't know, that every emotion had been tapped and I'd never quite been at that place before. It's taking me months to invite Jesus into these areas because for, for a long time I, I couldn't even name, I wasn't present enough, I wasn't aware enough to even name what was going on inside of me. If you are courageous enough to name the dominant emotion in your life right now, to be, be aware enough of what is that mattress in my kitchen that's just been in the way all year, and, and I'm going to believe the Holy Spirit to be the power lifter and help move that thing out of your kitchen so Christmas is going to be awesome. I feel faith rising in the house. We're here as a family, and you're together as a family, to work at getting it right, uh, but not to be right. Where perfection is pursued, shame is not far behind. We're not trying to be perfect. That's too much pressure. I want to talk about some of the emotions in the Christmas story. Imagine those angelic appearances, touched by an angel. Mary felt fear. Most, most people would feel fear if Gabriel showed up. It probably was an emotion like terror. It's pretty emotional. The Lord used Caesar Augustus to decree a census because a prophet said it's in Bethlehem that he would be born. Can you imagine how uncomfortable that would be? To, to, because, because Joseph and Mary are going to have to take a walk. By the way, I hate to burst your bubble, but the Bible doesn't say that she was on a donkey. Uh, it was uncomfortable. It would have been exhausting. Can you imagine? That's about 145 kilometers. She's, Joseph and Mary, just because a census was called, <laughs> Caesar Augustus, they had to go back to the city of David because they're from the lineage of David, which was prophesied. 145, it's like walking to Red Deer. At approximately 2.5 miles per hour, it would take somewhere between four and a half to five days to get there. That's exhausting. And when you're in the third trimester, I've been told that you have to relieve yourself a little more often. I don't know. So you're stopping lots. It's, it's frustrating. It's emotionally debilitating. No place for the first time mom. How would that feel? Let me just throw out a couple of emotions. Rejection, anger. Lord, you said. How, how, how shameful would it be to have to brush the straw out of a manger for your firstborn child? I thought, Lord, if I said yes, everything's going to be fine. There'd be a place at the inn. And a midwife from, from Nazareth could come along with us. Wouldn't that be inconvenient? What about how hurt, how hurt you would feel? I want you to feel the pathos of a firstborn when it says, she wrapped him in clothes and placing in a feeding drop. Well, you want know that motion for me would be helpless. What am I getting, where do I put him? Helpless. Joseph, first-time dad. Every first-time dad, if he didn't faint, 
You were overwhelmed. You were lonely. How do I, what do I, this slippery little, ah, misunderstood. You, for, for Joseph, it would be, he would be the target of gossip because they lived in a culture of shame and honor. Friends and family would do the math and they would know they'd be socially excluded. Imagine the shepherds breaking into the shelter. Mary, Mary and Joseph have, trying to have a little private time, just having a little quiet time here, confused, humiliated at a place. I, I want to share a passage of scripture that's typically not used at Christmas time, it's, it, and, and, and we're told that Paul, yet he was an apostle, they said that this was, some of the commentary says this could have been a poem. So I'm going to read what the poet laureate would have said. Where he says in chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, And though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing, took the humble position of a slave, and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further to death on a criminal's cross. Because of this, God raised him up to the heights of heaven. Um, John chapter 1 and verse 3, all things made through him, nothing was made without him. The one who made everything became nothing. This is a, this is a profound thought. And what does this mean? It means in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 27 that Jesus was human in every way. Why, why is that important? Here's something I want us to be encouraged with. Uh, through everything, every rock, every tree, every planet, even the Whirlpool galaxy apparently contains 100 billion stars, and he knows them all by name. Uh, so it's so profound that it says in verse 18 that because he suffered, he, when he was tried and tested, he's able to help those who are being tested and tried. Every emotion in the human spectrum was experienced by Jesus. Think about it. We know that he bare in his body every sin and sickness. But do you know that every emotion as well? And Isaiah 53 de declares that. When things go well, we're happy. When things go bad, when things bad happen, real suffering happens, what happens? I know, we feel lonely. I know that. If you're feeling lonely, I can identify with you because I've been lonely. Not because I didn't have people around. Because it was rare for people who understand my situation. Jesus understands your situation. That's the profound thing. People want to help us. But when someone's been through something exactly the same as you, you know what you do? You listen. They can share their opinions, and they can share their stories, and you'll listen. Why? Because they've been through what you've been through. When they comfort you, you've truly been comforted. They get every healthy emotion and every unhealthy emotion. This season, millions of people will sing, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Do they know about him or do they really know him? Um, <clears throat> I want to think about your story now before we light the candles. I want us to first acknowledge that light has come. Light has come. Historically, Jesus came. No one will deny that. Historically, he came. The question is, was he Messiah and was he God? Was he Emmanuel with us? Was he God with us? Are you able to acknowledge that some of the light that you carry within you, every human being carries this, I believe, because we got the breath of God in us, everyone. They may not have a personal relationship with Jesus, but they all bear his image and they all have the light of life in them. 
We might use it by a different name, but in him was life, and that life gives light to every man. What if we would acknowledge the light in others this Christmas? What if we have eyes to see and a heart to empathize? Empathize kind of means the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Everybody has faced loss of some kind this year. And every single person has a story that will break your heart. And if you really pay attention, they have, many have stories that will bring you to your knees. The world is filled with darkness. It's a broken world. It's filled with pain. The people sitting beside you have shared some challenges this year. The people who are in front of you in the Safeway lineup have had some challenges this year. The person in that, I just about said Tesla, but I'm not going to. But the person on the freeway in front of you, they've had challenges this year. Maybe some of you this Christmas, it'll be the first Christmas without a loved one at the table. Could we show a little kindness? Could we... I've found that my ears don't get me into trouble. Could we just listen a little bit more? Could we acknowledge some of the battles some people face? There's light in everyone. We need to first look inside and deal with the mattress in our own kitchen, I think. Watching the news and seeing over 5,000 flights canceled, trying to get home, couldn't make it home without their families this year. Here's the, here's the strategy, and I'm going to pray this before we light candles. In order to allow Jesus to come into that emotion in your life, you first of all need to be present enough and aware enough to notice it. Secondly, you need to name it. This, for me, this took months. So, so you, can, you can feel lonely But are you willing to say that, oh, I'm lonely about this and for this? I'm surprised. I still haven't taken my mom's name out of my address book and my phone. It's just probably a a little bit of grief that's left ungrieved. Grief counselors will tell you that grief is not the same in every person. It's like a fingerprint. Everybody has their own grief. We name it. We notice it. And then we invite Christ to come into that darkness. What I've had to do, can I just be honest about something that I've had to do? I've been a little bit disappointed with God this year. And somebody like me, who's supposed to always be filled with hope and joy. and, And I've said, Lord, this disappointment, like I know you're there. And I know you could have prevented this or you could have prevented that. I mean, we all face death. But dang, like a fire. And so I remember the day I wrote it in my journal. Pardon me, I'm still, I'm still, I'm not quite all the way there yet. I wrote my journal. <clears throat> Lord, I, I understand I'm disappointed. <clears throat> and I think if I'm honest, I'm disappointed with you that you didn't come through. I thought you were going to protect me. And I thought there was going to be these big angels that kind of swoop in and, oh gosh. So I wonder if you would just with me be courageous enough to invite the Lord into your emotional world. 
I'm not going to ask for people to make full-on decisions for Jesus. I'm going to ask that just you would be willing to let him come to that emotional part of your life where you feel hurt, where you feel disappointed, where you, there's an emotion that you know. And let, let me ask the Lord to let his life, light come to that place of darkness. Would you bow with me for just a moment? <clears throat> Father, it's been so... It, it just... I just thought it would happen a bit quicker. But Lord, eventually you're getting me there. I think, I think I've just tried to be, I don't know, too optimistic or something to be able to acknowledge that Lord, there's disappointment in my life at a very deep level. <clears throat> and Lord, tonight I think that there's probably people who have pain and they don't even know where it came from. <clears throat> but I wonder if your Holy Spirit would just show them. <clears throat> They've been expecting a promotion. They've been expecting a partner. <clears throat> They've been expecting a cancer-free diagnosis. I don't know what it is. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come right now by the power of your Spirit and help us to identify those stables, those, those stables that need to be cleared. And Jesus, I invite you to come and shatter that darkness. You said, your word says that darkness could never extinguish the light. <clears throat> so, Father, forgive us for protecting the darkness and letting that mattress stay in our kitchen. Lord, let this be a year. The disappointment, that oppression, that darkness, that depression, that discouragement. Lord, that the anger, that the grief and the loss. Father, I know we can just give it to you, but I'm asking that you would come because we're not even sure how to let it go. Come to that place of darkness, I ask, in the name of Jesus, and, and dispel all darkness to that emotional part of us and allow your light to penetrate every piece of our darkness. And for everyone that walks with you, you will continue to light their way day after day after day in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> We're going to light a candle now. I'm going to have the, uh, if you've got your own lighters, <laughs> if you, if you, all, all you smokers now that got your lighters, just go ahead and fire it up. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm going to, um, I want to just put up a picture of my mom. Last year I was too numb to acknowledge this. This is a, one of the last pictures of my mom and her favorite scripture verse. Um, I miss my mom this year. It, 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 to have no parents is a funny p sort of feeling. You can, you can take it off. Amy made that uh, verse. Right after the second verse, I want us to light, let our light remind us of the light of loved ones that still lives in our hearts. Maybe they won't be at the Christmas table, but they're still in our hearts. Would you stand with me? <clears throat> I'll invite my wife to come, and at the end, we'll have the staff come to the front. But you, wherever. Okay, the staff can come if they want. Everybody's, everybody got your light? Eight years ago was the first time we had a service here, a candlelight service. We're going to sing the first and second verses, and then I'm going to pray for everybody who is grieving this season. Yeah, go ahead, lead us. Thanks for listening. 
To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.